0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time to welcome in Luke Easterling, editor of the Draft Wire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. Luke, good morning. Good morning, guys. How we doing? Good. So as the countdown clock ticks down, we get closer to the draft. You ready to get on with this already? Man, this thing has been analyzed and hyped. And we know where the top picks are headed, at least the top two. People might be able to think they can guess the top three. The Niners are trying to play the cards close to the vest. But set aside the picks. Who do you have the most confidence when we look back at this draft, you get five or six years down the line, who do you have the most confidence in actually delivering on the potential that's promised by one of these uh, first few picks? Uh,
1: You know, so much of that comes down to where they go, I, I think. So on the front end, it's a little difficult to say anybody other than Trevor Lawrence, right? Because, you know, we know he's going number one. We know that, honestly, that the Jaguars don't have a, a really bad roster in terms of teams that you're used to seeing picking number one. Obviously, they haven't had a whole lot of team success uh, since losing that AFC title game. But this roster is really not, not that bad. So I, I think that the fact that the Jags are going to take him at one, they've got an additional first-round pick, they've got multiple second-round picks, They've got a chance to to really build around Trevor Lawrence very quickly and be successful. So I you know that's the easy answer because we actually know where he's going to end up. But I think if I were to 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 bank on a player, no matter where he lands, I still don't understand the 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 idea that Justin Fields is going to fall out of the top five, maybe even out of the top ten. That's preposterous to me in terms of my evaluation of him as a player. Um, obviously Zach Wilson's probably going to go number two. I would take Justin Fields at number two without question. Um, so I, I think whoever ends up with Justin Fields, whether it's a team trading up to get him, New England from 15 maybe, maybe they jump up uh, ahead of Denver and Carolina at, at number seven with Detroit. But I think whatever team is lucky enough to land Justin Fields outside the top five, uh, if that happens to, uh, to take place, I think that's what we'll look back on. Similar to the fact that you know when when the Bears traded up for Trubisky and left Watson and Mahomes on the board, I think it'll be that similar kind of move, especially if we see Mac Jones go ahead of Justin Fields.
2: So obviously, then you're at odds with what the Jets are expected to do. In that you believe that Fields is going to be better than Wilson. Why is that?
1: I, I see a guy who is way more consistent on film. Uh, I think I, I see a guy who. Is bigger, more physical in the pocket, and, and can can handle um, you know the, the the rigors of an NFL game and the handling a pass rush. Obviously, you know the one of the biggest reasons Sam Darnold didn't succeed in, in New York was you know his supporting cast wasn't that great, and particularly along the offensive line. So with a guy like Zach Wilson, if you're putting him behind that same offensive line, I don't know how well that's going to go. And I think when you compare the the, the highs on on Zach Wilson's film are great. If you make a highlight reel of Zach Wilson, he looks like a potential number two overall pick. But if you make a low light film, you'll wonder why he's being drafted at all. So I think that's where it comes into with me. The the consistency's just not there. Obviously the flashes are incredible and I blame Patrick Mahomes. You know, you get you have a guy like Wilson who can make some of those Mahomes like throws, especially when he escapes the pocket and he can sling the ball, change arm angles and do all these fun things and that's exciting. But Mahomes is great because he also takes the layups. He can hit the layups. He can be consistent with his accuracy. And I feel like Zach Wilson just didn't do that enough for me on film. And, again, usually his team was the best team on the field, if not always, last year. And the fact that he was still inconsistent and not able to be dominant on a consistent level against lower-level competition, that gives me concerns. And when you contrast that with what Justin Fields was able to do against some of the top competition, particularly that performance against Clemson while playing injured, I just don't understand why that's a conversation.
0: So if you're one of the quarterbacks the Jets pass on, should you be happy about that because they don't have enough around you to make anybody successful no matter who they pick? Or do you think with a new coaching staff, new regime, uh, the talent's going to get upgraded and whoever it is, probably Zach Wilson, but whoever it is is going to be dealt a better hand than Sam Darnold was?
1: Yeah, I do think there is some some hope to be had there. I don't know if I would call it confidence because we haven't seen that team on the field yet. But uh, I think they made a great hire with with Robert Sala. I think that you know Joe Douglas probably can't do any worse than, than the management that's been uh, in charge in New York for the last few regimes. Um, but yeah, I think if and even if you look at the way they attack free agency, they signed some really quality players, particularly on defense um to, to really help that side of the ball. So I do think that there's some hope there that the Jets have kind of turned the corner, turned over a new leaf, and are willing to build a winner around whatever quarterback they take it to. But it wouldn't surprise me. You know, like I said, it's all about where you land. So I think obviously on draft weekend, every player wants to go as high as possible. Financially, obviously, that's helpful as well. But at the end of the day, especially a quarterback, it's so important to go to a team that – you know, is going to build around you and your skill set and make you successful. So, you know, going two or five or ten matters a lot less down the road if you end up in the right place that allows you to live up to your full potential.
2: I don't know if you saw this piece in Sports Illustrated on Trevor Lawrence, but he seems to go out of his way to say, and this is a quote, there's also more to life, there's also more in life than playing football. Uh, Any concern there?
1: No, not at all. And, and I wrote about that for DraftWire not long after those comments came out because I think it's something that needs to be said more often. I, I think it's a refreshing perspective from someone who was crowned a long time ago for this pick, right? I mean, we, you know, as soon as he hit the field at Clemson, we were like, oh, this guy is special. And then he dominates Alabama in the national championship as a freshman. And we're like, man, we got to wait three years to draft this kid. And he lived up to it all along the way. He made it. He's going to go wire to wire as that number one overall pick. So to hear a, a kid like that admit that he cannot pretend that he has had it hard, right? He he can't pretend he's Tom Brady where everybody's doubted him and everybody's, you know, said he couldn't do it. Everybody has said he could do it. Everybody has said he could do everything. So when he says things like, I don't have that chip on my shoulder and I can't fake it, I can't manufacture that. I like hearing that from a player who's not going to BS you and blow smoke. So, you know, the fact that he has a great perspective in terms of how important football is to him and how internal motivation is important, but understanding that at some point, you know, the the switch has to flip off, and you have to go be a human being, and you have to realize that football is a game, it's a job, and yes, you want to go out and be the best you you can be at it. But I think we need to see this more from players. We need to, and, and fans and, and the media, we need to react positively to that, because I think that contributes heavily to some of the struggles these players have after they leave the game because their identity has been so wrapped up in what they do on the field that it's really hard for them to to go to that next thing once they're out of the game. And I think there's just so many layers to that, and I think the more we see big-name players like Trevor Lawrence continue to talk about that and be honest and and, you know very forthcoming about the the realities of of off-field life and and maintaining that work-life balance, I think that's important.
0: We're joined right now by Luke Easterling, editor of the DraftWire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today, sports media group talking NFL draft. So assuming that five of the top nine and you know, maybe the Patriots trade up and it ends up being five of the top seven picks or quarterbacks, history says two or three, maybe four of them uh, will be busts and not worth it. But for all the people, and we have plenty of Utah fans right now, Want to hear you say more negative stuff about Zach Wilson that he's not going to make it? There's there's the rivalry is alive and healthy here, but I think that the thing we've seen with the draft now is if you want a quarterback who's got a decent chance of being a starter, you got to go all in on a top ten pick. You got to pass on whatever generational talent there is available at other positions because the draft, everybody who's got a shot is going early. You can't wait until the middle or end of the first round or later anymore i mean like the last 4 or 5 drafts there hasn't, hasn't been a third or fourth round guy who's made it so should we criticize these teams too much for reaching these for these guys cuz it doesn't seem to be another path
1: yeah i think you know you you do have the the rare outliers you have guys like Dak Prescott who was a fourth round pick mm-hmm. you have a guy like Lamar Jackson who should have obviously been a much higher pick than number 32 but again it goes back to what i said before it, it comes down to teams being willing to do what's necessary around those quarterbacks to make them successful and and to your point about passing on generational talents at other positions look at a team like you know the the lions who took calvin johnson at number two and nobody would doubt that calvin johnson lived up to that right he was everything we thought he would be the hall of famer but it didn't matter (laughs) you know and, and matt stafford wasn't even really a bad quarterback but it's It's, you know, look at a team like Cleveland taking Miles Garrett, who has lived up to everything that you expected Miles Garrett to be, but it's because Baker Mayfield has been successful as a quarterback that that team is now in the playoffs, and the fact that they've built around him as well. So you can take, you know, the Browns, (laughs) Joe Thomas was one of the best left tackles we've ever seen, and he never played a playoff game. (laughs) So, you know, you can hit on that, Incredible talent at even another premium position, whether it's a pass rusher or an offensive tackle, and that guy can be a Hall of Fame player. And it won't matter if you don't have the quarterback. So, while you, like you said, the, the history says that half half or more of these guys are going to be be busts at the top of the draft, it, you still got to have one. So you got to just take a swing and hope you're one of the one or two that hits on the right guy.
2: In addition it's to quarterbacks' profiles rising, which is obvious, it seems like corners and receivers, and maybe I'm off on this, but it just seems to me that their profiles have risen, and it's important to have those corners and receivers. And I look at this draft, at least in the first round anyway, and that's what we'll focus on for the first day, obviously. It seems like we could have four or five uh, of those position players going early. Who do you like there?
1: Yeah, and I think again, when you talk about position value, it all relates to the quarterback. Though you've got to protect the quarterback if you have one. You got to get after the other guy's quarterback, and you got to make his life easy with pass catchers, and you got to make his life hard with guys covering those guys. So it all comes back to making life easy or hard for your quarterback and the other the other quarterback. So this year's class is a is a really good one for both of those positions in terms of corner and wide receiver. Obviously, at the top of the draft, you got LSU's Jamar Chase. The the Alabama pair, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, I think all three of those guys are, are kind of in a tier of their own. There's some intriguing, kind of undersized but explosive playmakers that that all could challenge to go in the first round and I think would be good values outside of the first round. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, Rondale Moore from Purdue, Kadarius Tony from uh, from Florida. If you like a bigger, more physical guy, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota uh, is going to be worthy of a first-round pick, in my opinion. I think he'd be a great fit for Baltimore. Uh, we mentioned Lamar Jackson and building around him. He'd be exactly what that offense needs. Um, and then at corner, you've got kind of a, a, a two-headed monster at the top. you got Patrick Sercane Jr., uh, which just still makes me feel really old to say. Him and Asante Samuel Jr. in the same draft just makes the gray hair just multiply by the minute. Um, but And J.C. Horn is the other one, who's Joe Horn's son. So I, I can't win either way with this corner class. Um, but, yeah, both of those guys, I think, could be – the first defender off the board This is going to be a really rare draft in which we could get all the way to pick 10 before we see a defensive player taken off the board. So I think the Cowboys at 10 would love that scenario. They have to take defense, I think at that pick and to be able to take their pick of all the defensive players in this draft. And I think it would be a corner certain, uh or Horn would make a lot of sense there, but yeah, it's a good year to need a top corner or a top wide receiver at the top of the draft.
0: So I'm all in on Pitts, and that makes PK laugh, but part of the magic of the show is PK laughing at me, so in a weird way it works. Uh, am, I, am I too far in on this guy? Is he a slam dunk? Is there uh, something that could uh, get him untracked and mess it up? Is he the guy?
1: I mean, obviously I think part of that does come down to how you use that guy, but if you can't maximize that potential, you should probably not have a job in the NFL. Um, he's the best non-quarterback in this draft. He is number two overall on my board uh, in terms of just grading and ranking the players individually in a vacuum. So it's Trevor Lawrence and then it's Kyle Pitts. Um, And honestly, his athletic profile, no matter what position you call him, is basically, I mean, the closest we've really been able to find is Calvin Johnson. I mentioned him earlier, and and I I hate to make comparisons with Hall of Famers to rookies because it's just not fair, but athletically he compares very favorably – to Megatron. So when you talk about adding that guy to your offense, you can call him a tight end, you can call him a wide receiver. I call him a unicorn. You can call him whatever you want. That guy with that skill set is going to be able to dominate at the next level. He's big. He's athletic. His arms are ridiculously long. He's got the largest wingspan in this draft. Those are all things that quarterbacks are going to love. No matter where he lands, I think he's going to be a difference maker. He can make plays at all levels of the field. Obviously, he's going to dominate in the red zone. He's, he's the kind of guy who's not covered even when he's covered, and, and when you're always open like that, you can win those contested catches. Quarterbacks are going to fall in love with you. I think he is the real deal. I think he's worth a top-five pick. If he falls anywhere lower than that, it's going to be a one we remember for a long time.
2: Harrison, ETN, the only possibilities for running backs going in the first round? You like somebody else?
1: No, not at all. And I think honestly, Javante Williams from North Carolina, I'd put money on him going in the first round instead of uh, Travis Hn from Clemson for sure. I think that that's definitely the top tier, those three. But if I had to, if I had to put money on it, I obviously I think Harris would be the first off the board. Uh, but I think Javante Williams from North Carolina has a better chance of cracking the first round than Hn at this point.
0: So under your theory, which I think makes a lot of sense, that what makes a quarterback's life better and makes quarterbacks more productive, why don't running backs get more play? I mean, isn't Ezekiel Elliott making Dak, when he's healthy, obviously, uh, Dak Prescott, and apparently he's going to be back to health this year. Doesn't he make Dak Prescott's life a lot easier and make him a better quarterback, the threat of that run game? absolutely
1: and and this is the part of that running back conversation that's that's more complex than people want it to be i think i think people want to either say well you have to take a quarterback a uh, running back this high to make it make sense or make a difference or you can wait until the fourth round because you know look at these examples we always want to use the outliers we always want to use the exception to impl- you know to to justify the rule and that's not how that works when it comes down to it no matter what position you take really good football players and you'll be okay. And that's what, when I think about a guy like Najee Harris, you know, people will say, oh, you know, it's too early to take a running back at 24 if you're Pittsburgh, or even if you're 18 at Miami. Not when it's a really special player, a really good player. You're 6'2", 235, and can do what Najee Harris can do physically and needs and a three-down back and can make plays in the passing game, the running game. I don't care what position that guy plays. He's a, he's a very special player, and I want him on my team. So, you know, Just because the Jaguars found James Robinson last year the way they did doesn't mean everyone can do that or doesn't mean that you know every running back in the fourth round has a better chance of, of being a better value for you than taking a guy like Ezekiel Elliott at four. If you determine that this guy can be a special player for your offense and, and be such a difference maker and, again, take so much pressure off your quarterback, obviously you have to have the offensive line to allow that guy to work. But I, I just don't buy into this... You know, you can just find a court, You can find a running back later. You can find one later. Yeah, every now and then somebody does, but that doesn't mean you should pass up the best ones in the draft if that's something you need, because you think you can be the one to find the one or two guys in the later rounds that will end up being productive. That's not how it works.
0: Well, Luke, we appreciate the time and the insight. We'll be fascinated to see how it works out, and all eyes are on Zach Wilson here. Uh, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the draft. Luke Easterling, you can read him. He's the editor of the Draft Wire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group.